Well, we're studying through the Gospel of John, and uh, we've we finished chapter 1. We're in chapter 2. You remember what we said that the key word in the Gospel of John is? What is it? It's used over a hundred times in the Gospel of John. We know love is used a lot. Truth is used a lot. But we said one word is used more than any of the others. What is it? Do you remember? Believe. That's right. Believe. And he said, these things have I written unto you that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So uh, uh, we said there are seven miracles in the Gospel of John. And they're not even called miracles. They're actually called signs. And every sign is designed to say Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God that you might believe in him. So uh, this first sign, the very first miracle that Jesus performed is uh, in John chapter 2. And by the way, I have five sermons that I would love to preach on these 12 verses. But I'm going to try my best to just preach one today instead of all five. Maybe in the years to come, uh, I can do the other four. But let's just read the text. In John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and it says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. She had been invited to this, and it says Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And by the way, if you've watched The Chosen, you remember that episode in which it shows the wedding feast there. That was a marvelous, marvelous uh, uh, episode. All right, and so Jesus was there. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, it was a, a, a terrible thing to run out of refreshment at a wedding feast. And the feast usually lasted for several days. And when about halfway through the feast, they come to the host and says, we've run out of, we've run out of wine. And uh, maybe they tried watering the, what little bit they had left, watering it down a little bit. But, but uh, so somehow or another, Mary found out the predicament. And she went to Jesus and said, uh, Jesus, they have run out of wine. Now, the next statement is a little bit surprising. And Jesus said to her, woman... He didn't say mom or mother. He says, woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, I know there are some people who try to soften this. Some people, some commentaries say that really woman was just kind of a a statement like ma'am. But actually, this is a little bit of a rebuke. Basically, Jesus is saying to his mother, don't tell me what to do. Don't push me to do something because what does that have to do with you? What does it have to do with me? 
My hour has not yet come. Now, obviously, one of the sermons I'd preach was about the hour. And uh, I just don't have time to do that this morning because that would take an hour. But, uh, but uh, what he's talking about, my, my time to die and to sacrifice for the sins of the world is not yet. And so he said, uh, woman, what, what's that to you, to me? Uh, my hour has not yet come. And so his mother then said, it's kind of like, oops, you know, I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing that. So she just turns to the servants and just says, uh, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. <laughs> so it just, you know, I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know if he's going to do anything, but, but whatever he tells you to do, you do it. By the way, there's a sermon in that statement, isn't it? <laughs> whatever he tells you to do, do it. Okay, and that's, I, I, that's, as I read that this week, I thought, that's a good word for me. I just want to do what Jesus tells me to do. Okay, and so uh, there were six stone water pots, water jars. I mean, they were huge. They, they held... 20 to 30 gallons of water. Now, they were not drinking water. It wasn't drinking water. It wasn't, nobody drank out of those. These were water pots that were used for purification. I think that says that. Now, there were six stone water pots there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. So, uh, nobody really paid much attention to that because these were not certainly not water pots that you would expect to have wine in and not even that you would have drinking water in. So it's interesting, it gets a little more interesting as we go along here. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. I mean, they... He said, fill them. They said, we'll fill them. And they did, they did what Jesus told them to do, and they filled them up until they were just full to the brim. And then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. Now they must have been, they must have thought, what, what's going to happen here? We fill these pots up with water, 30 gallons each, and now you're telling me to take some of it to the master of the feast, and he's going to drink water that has been taken out of a purification jar, and he might just throw it back in my face. I don't know. So... When the master of the feast tasted the water that had now become wine. And he did not know where it came from. Another whole sermon on this little phrase. Though the servants who had drawn the water out knew. The master of the house didn't know, but the servants knew what had happened. I want to tell you something. God has some secrets that he reveals to servants that he doesn't reveal to masters. You know, if you just want to understand 
the mysteries of the kingdom of God, you just pour your life out in serving the Lord and in serving others. And God will reveal to servants things that he doesn't reveal to anybody else. Now, again, that's just, it's another whole sermon. but uh, And the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Now, by the way, the bridegroom was the one actually responsible to, see, for, to seeing to it that they had plenty of refreshment. It was his responsibility, not the master. It was the bridegroom's responsibility, and he's the one who would have been most embarrassed if they indeed ran out of wine. And he said to him, the master of the feast said to the bridegroom, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then they bring out the poor wine. They bring out the, the uh, not-so-good stuff. Because by that time, people have their... Their taste buds have all already been saturated by the good stuff, and so they don't notice as much the bad stuff. That's what I've heard. I don't drink wine, and so I don't know. Uh, I don't know the difference between good stuff and bad stuff. But uh, I do drink Welch's grape juice, and uh, and and I know good grape juice, and uh, and I know watered down grape juice. But. Uh, Anyway, that's a totally different thing. That's not even a sermon. And uh, so it says, uh, but you have kept the good wine until now. And this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. That's, the, uh, that's where this whole thing was going. The glory of God, the glory of Jesus was manifested, and his disciples believed. Now, man, there's just so much in this passage. Uh, and I know that every preacher that's here is, has sermons on this that you would like to be preaching right now. Brother Manuel, is that right? Yeah, uh-huh. and Brother John, I know. Uh, well, just pray for me that I'll get it right here, okay? This passage shows us, among other things, the emptiness of Jewish religion that it had come to the state of in the time of Jesus. You know, the Jews were blessed people and still are blessed people just above, above all other peoples on the planet. God just blessed them. He gave them a covenant. He gave them his law. He gave them the scriptures. He gave them prophets. He gave them a land. He just blessed them, blessed them, blessed them. But bless their hard-headed hearts. They just rebelled, constantly rebelled, rebelled, rebelled. And even to this day, God's still blessing the Jewish people, and they're still rebelling. And uh, 
It's just amazing to me uh, that so many Jews in Israel don't even believe in God. It's, it's amazing. That's sad. And yet God says, you're still my people. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. And I will punish those who curse you. And I tell you, there's two groups of people that I don't ever want to uh, 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 do wrong. One is Jewish people. I want to be a blessing to Jews. And the other is widows. Because the Bible tells us that God is the husband to widows. And that those who take advantage of and abuse widows, God himself will judge them. So if you're a Jewish widow, I'm really going to treat you nice. Okay, all right. And so the, I think the whole, this whole story is saying the Jewish religion, like all other religions in the world, are empty. And wine in the Bible is a symbol of joy, true divine joy. And he's saying that the joy has run out because the, the wedding feast has the host of the wedding feast says we're, we're totally out of refreshment. We're out of wine. And religion, I said this last week, and I had one or two people who looked a little bit surprised when I said that God hates religion, but he does hate religion because religion is always an empty stone pot. It has no life in it. It has no water in it. And it certainly has no wine in it. It is man's feeble attempt to try to make himself acceptable to a holy God. Do you realize how ridiculous that is? To try to, to make yourself clean before a holy God. When I was pastoring up here at Daniel Dale Baptist Church back 50-something years ago, we had an old mimeograph machine. And as I was running the bulletins off that morning, I got some, some uh, ink on my white shirt, and I got ink on my hands. And I tried to get that ink off my shirt with inky hands which was not very smart. And you can imagine what happened as I tried to get it off. I just, the place just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So I, I didn't know what to do. So I just smeared some on the other side so it matched, you know. No, I think I went home and changed shirts, didn't I? I think I went home and changed shirts. But uh, as I was doing that, I thought, God's trying to show me something here this morning. That as sinners... Our hands and our hearts are dirty. And we can no more clean a dirty, inky shirt with dirty, inky hands than we can clean a dirty heart with dirty hands. And it requires the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, to cleanse us of sin. And so
Uh, this shows us the, the failure of Jewish religion to bring true joy to the hearts of people. And then one other thing, I'm just going to give you random thoughts here uh, for a few minutes. Uh, when Mary tried to push Jesus to do her will, he said, woman, what's that? Don't do that. But then he said in another place, I have come to do the Father's will. And it obviously was the Father's will for him to do what he did. And one thing I saw in that is that sometimes we try to make God do for us what we want him to do. And he says to us, you just settle back and let me work the Father's will, not your will, not somebody else's will. And one thing that Jesus taught us to pray is your will be done. Your will. Not my will, but your will. And then they brought the wine to the to the bridegroom, to the host, and they served it. And he says, most people serve the good first and then the bad. But you have saved the best for the last. And I thought, isn't that wonderful how God works in our life? You know how the devil, you know, the, you know, how, you know how the devil serves his uh, uh, wares? He gives us the good up front. And then the bad comes later. And I know lots of people who think they're having a wonderful time in life following the devil's way. They think, yeah, it's all fun. You know, I, I, but the Bible tells us that in the end, there's destruction. And just because you're not having payday right now for your sin doesn't mean you won't have payday. Dr. R.G. Lee, famous preacher in Memphis, Tennessee, preached over a thousand times a sermon called Payday Someday. Payday Someday. And he basically was saying this very thing, that you may think you're getting by, getting away with sin, but the truth is, God is not mocked. And whatever a person sows, that he will reap. But here's the wonderful thing about Jesus. Jesus gives us good and then better and then best. You know, I've been a Christian now for over 60 years. And I can honestly say, the longer I serve him, the sweeter it grows. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some bitter times. It doesn't mean there hadn't been some hard times. There indeed have been. But the presence of Jesus, like the wine, has given me joy even in the times of sorrow, in the times of challenge. And here he's giving good, better, but the best is yet to come. Sometimes
we in prosperous and materialistic America forget that for the Christian, the very best comes after this life is over. We just sang, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. And I'm telling you, no matter how good you have it in this life, the best is yet to come. And uh, I have been with many Christians as they breathe their last breath in this life. And as their body stilled and their breath left them and their spirit left them. But when I knew that they knew Jesus, I knew that the best wine was now being served to them. And no matter how good it had been in this life or no matter how bitter it had been in this life, because their life was filled with Jesus, they now were drinking the best wine. And he had saved it for the last. He doesn't give it all up front, but he saved it for the last. One last thing I'd say. I see in this a picture of salvation. Our life before we're saved is like an empty, hard, stone water pot. And the heart is hard and the life is empty. But then when water is added, what is water a symbol of in the Bible? It's the Word of God. And when the Word of God comes into a person's life, and God speaks. The Bible tells us, how can they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without a speaker, without a preacher, without someone to tell them? And the Bible lets us know that it's through the word of God that the spirit of God brings the salvation of God to the people of God. And so as the water was poured in, then it becomes refreshing wine. And when I was lost, my life was like an empty stone water pot. It was empty and it was hard. But when the Word of God and the Spirit of God came into my life and brought salvation, suddenly there was fullness and there was life and there was the wine of God's spirit what is your life like today is it uh, is it empty that was one of the words that I used to describe my life before I became a Christian I was just empty empty is your life empty if it is empty Jesus said I can fill your life with true life. I've come that you might have 
life, not emptiness. Is your life hard and empty? God says he can soften our heart and fill us with his spirit. In a sense, we make the choice. He, he calls us. He draws us. But at some point, we say, yes, yes, I, I'll follow. Wherever, wherever you lead, I'll go. That's what the servants, you know, God's, Jesus' mother said to the servants, whatever he says, you do it. And I would say to you, if he's saying to you today, come, follow me, you say, yes, I will. Wherever he leads, wherever he leads, I'll go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this uh, beginning of miracles. And I know that in a Christian life, our salvation is really just the beginning of miracles in our life. Every day of our life is a miracle. And I pray that you will help those here today who have not put their trust in Jesus, help them to come even today and just say, I believe. These, this sign was done so that his glory might be manifested, so that his disciples might believe. Help us believe in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to extend an invitation to you now if you'd like to come and put your trust in Jesus or come in any other way that God would direct you. You come. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, We would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.